God, Food Junkie smells. Radio, number 12. Number 12, Food 12. Junkie Radio. 12, okay. Oh, we actually have a real count this time because usually, you know, I we, we don't know. <laughs> I started I had to take notes. Oh, that's dangerous. Oh, not bad. That's that nice. goes down smooth. Yeah. Is there a star anise in there? No, that's oh. that's literally, and in, in, in this picks up the camera, right? Like yeah, this? Yeah, yep. This is lemon peels from my friend's tree and uh, the Everclear that's available in California, which is not 100% true Everclear, but... Um, it's 200%, folks. Uh, I can I, I got the bottle right here. Oof. That is... Sixty nice. percent by volume. Sixty percent, and 200%. I've I've had absolutely zero uh, alcohol already today. So sure, we'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Bike riding and getting faded. All right, so you were talking about the dichotomy and extra. Go. Yeah, so um, I think we were kind of discussing what to what to talk about today, and I think the dichotomous relationships between fast food and fine dining food. Or to go food and for here food, or, or restaurant food and at home food, or I don't remember what or what was that idea you were talking about. Let's get into that. The one where you were talking about the two tier system. Oh, 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 okay, yeah. So the one I was really excited about that I thought about earlier this week was um, so like uh, electronic companies in particular have this kind of thing where they have like their product and then they have their their product with like a little plus sign and it's like more advanced and uh how interesting that would be to apply to a restaurant setting where like okay we have our menu and then if you want like our menu plus is this and cost this but that doesn't exist in restaurants right except for maybe like add chicken or during truffle season at fine dining add truffle but in reality it doesn't exist in the same way where it's like the stats boosted it's almost like these are our stats and you can have this one extra thing on top of it. Mm. Not like all the stats like plus five or whatever. Mm. Uh, so I just thought it was, I thought it was interesting because the more I thought about it, I was like, I feel like almost every um, other food related thing has that except for the actual restaurant, right? Like, cause like the farm is going to take its best produce and sell it to the best restaurant. And it's going to take their average produce and sell it to the supermarket. And it's going to take its below average and sell it to the to the livestock farm. Mm. Or the supermarket is going to have their stuff that they sort through and they put up, you know, as like organic. And that's the you know? plus stuff. And that's like, yeah, that's like whatever plus. But the restaurant can't do that. Because it's almost like then the people who have like the regular feel like they're getting cheated out. It is how I would see it. But that's why I think what you were describing in terms of the the layers of when things are filtered. You know what I mean? Like, okay, produce does this, meat does this, so on and so forth. By the time it hits the restaurants, the restaurants are already in has different it, levels. Has has But by the time has it gone to the restaurant, has that produce already gone through so many different filtrations that it is what it is for sure? Or is it just that that caliber restaurant buys that exact thing or they only have the caliber of uh execution available to them that they can only execute at one level or only the desire to uh, to execute at one level i just thought it was interesting and i don't know what made it pop in my head but it was just like well that's that's kind of crazy like almost every industry has like their regular product plus Mm -hmm. 
except for I, I don't know I couldn't think of one that doesn't have it except for restaurants can you I mean like you're talking about having both yeah having both at like the same location are you talking about same entree let's just say steak like a steak dish yeah like, there's a like you could have regular. beef you could have our beef bourguignon mm-hmm. or you can have our beef bourguignon plus what's with the plus well usually it'd be like add truffle but that's not really like plus, right? In that's the same way that like a, yeah, it's more ingredients. It's not the same way that like the iPhone Seven is in the more iPhone Seven space. Plus. More. It's like more space, more processing. It's like every stat is plus, rather than at the restaurant. It's like it's not like the stats are plus. It's like you got an extra ingredient, and maybe that's just it is what it is, and that's the only way it's to compare. But like, what's to stop a restaurant from let's just stay with beef bourguignon? You know, maybe their regular is with like, you know, the commodity carrot and maybe still the good beef, but like the commodity onion. But then when they do the plus version, maybe it could be like leeks and and Nantes mm-hmm. carrot and, you know, mm-hmm. and having each thing, each part of that just be a little better. Mm. Is Does that, that just ultimately make the dish better in, in its final product? Well, probably not. I mean, in in reality, in a dish like that, specifically, probably not. But uh, it does require more effort. On the on the, term, on more the cook elements. Side. Uh, I guess I'm kind of getting lost in my own thought. It makes sense. I see but, where you're going. I'm trying yeah. to think in my head. If I was in the kitchen and I'm like, "What's the prep list today?" and I'm looking at that prep list, I'm like, "Motherfucker, we got to do two beef bourguignon dishes. What the fuck are we doing?" Is it, is it just that? <laughs> In in this specific industry, industry, it's it doesn't make sense to do it that way. To just have the best product you can do with the product you have available at the price point you have, because mm. you know I'm always asking you questions about like where is that line for how to how to attract maximum customer, attract maximum value, attract max. Like how do you figure that out? And it's always so subjective and so conditional based on your. Uh, current market options in your region and I'm always trying to figure out maybe some kind of formula to making it work because I feel like some people have figured out this formula and I I haven't I mean I think I mean there's people out there like I remember seeing this cook that was based out of New Orleans that used to work for a big 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 business like really big business like um, recipe development type shit so Mm -hmm. he was doing he was doing like a massive, what's it called? Like massive um, recipe product, like uh, building. So building flavors to the to the milliliter of of wow degrees. Wow. So meaning he was like, I know exactly what goes into emote this type of flavor profile. So and so. So he was like the master, you know, like a uh, flavor maker essentially. Um, but I mean, I don't know if that was conducive to the type of ingredients he was using, or it was more in the methodology. Because now, when it comes to you know food, you would almost make an argument and be like, it's on the same cusp of art, where you're like, it's more or less subjective. But with foods, particularly, and we talked about it to some degree, marketing, the culture, a lot of things are going to factor into the ultimate ending price. And I think that gray area is where restaurants kind of thrive and live. I think to your point, when you're talking about max value, max you know, uh, efficiency, kind of all the things, at least from the bottom line business side, totally makes sense because at the end of the day, if that's your ideology, you're, you know, um, at the end of the day, that's why the, a business yes. exists. Yes. 
See, and that's the fine line of how do you balance that with, you know, whether it's uh, whatever it is, uh, methodology and how you want to conduct. Because there has to be that part of it that you're like, but I also like doing this. Mm-hmm. And this is where I'll mm-hmm. stop. I don't want to do 96 elements on a plate with micro this or micro that. Not to say there's right. nothing wrong with that. There's just restaurants Absolutely. For that. Yeah, yeah. And there's restaurants that do it you know family style just kind of there's some people who have that that's their their passion takes them in that direction to make two bites that are absolute maximum flavor and there's some restaurants who yeah like family style Mm -hmm. are like i want to make like a platter Mm -hmm. where everybody is stoked to have this like 20 bites yes you know it's like your argument and and those are different it's like the the casserole oh that's true yeah casseroles aren't bad but they're definitely they're cost bad. efficient. But they're, they're cost efficient. But are they restaurant tasty. quality? See, and that's subjective because think about how much the industry has changed just in the last ten years. Yeah, it's organic. So you kind of yeah. go along with the flow. But along with the flow, in terms of the main, like what the food trend is, I would assume as a restaurant, you still want to have enough of a, you know, kind of an identity to kind of single yourself out. Because at the mm. end of the day, you're really trying to develop a following, essentially. Yeah, and we're, I mean, I'm super lucky to work in a restaurant that has, I, I've i literally never even heard of it, of it having such a stable following as, as we do, mm-hmm. uh, which is super cool, and I just, you know, am super grateful every day for it. But yeah, I don't know what I was really getting at, and, and the more I think about your question of um, does that make it better when I was talking about, like, the different ingredients, like jumbo, just commodity jumbo carrot versus like non-taste carrot does it make it specifically better you know the more i have to really honestly say the answer is i don't know because i don't know i know it should because that's what we've um constantly said like you know we're going to search out the best ingredients and and this and that but when it's such a uh superficial part maybe is is not the right word but superficial part of each dish where yeah that's carrots but are you really going to know in a beef bourguignon that it's a specific brand of carrot probably not maybe in something different where the carrot is more front and center maybe it's like carrot puree curry carrot puree with like scallops maybe maybe even then you don't realize that it's that it's a specific brand that's the magic you know that's the and, magic of cooking and, and maybe that is part of the culture reaching back to a different episode where we've come to accept that if an heirloom has a name that's popular it's mm-hmm. better but is it really better i don't know and maybe that's more of my question of the food versus food plus is does the heirloom and organic stuff mean it's better or does it just mean that it's different? I think when you talk about like uh, the carrot branding, like Nantes versus, you know, like commercial grade, kind of like a run of the mill bulk, mm-hmm. you know, 20, 30 pounder type of deal. Because in California, the commodity carrot is still good. It's amazing. And maybe that's just in California. That's what I'm I saying. I don't know. In food, are we getting lost in whatever the culture is? That's why I always come back to the culture talking point because I'm like, what dictates it? But like I said, so going to that McDonald's thing now that we're, mm-hmm. you know, kind of. Mm-hmm talking about the two-tier thing. So there was this thing in, um, I want to say Europe. I forgot somewhere out there, but... Like Mc- Northern Europe-ish. Something, you know, something up there where they do, uh, known for both very traditional, you know, cuisine, but they also have a lot of, you know, badass chefs up there too, mm-hmm. like Norwegian. Absolutely. Like um, Who have really progressed the world global food cuisine yeah, by it themselves. Yeah, went from Spain to them, mm-hmm. essentially. At least in the 
food world for the last what Renee Redzepi's been the face of that kind of thing for like what seven eight years now he he has even longer I want to say yeah he's definitely made that run so I mean so McDonald's teams up with a chef um Paul maybe Paul Cunningham he's a two-star Michelin chef uh McDonald's partnered up with him to do a burger and no one heard about it, but the whole thing is that there was a chef out there, um, and maybe there's an uproar in a, a couple chefs that kind of come from, you know, the Nomas and the Elbowlies and, you know, that kind of deal. And the slow food idea, I believe, what it's called, uh, the manifesto, it's called the International Manifesto of 1989, where it's got this declaration or something to that effect. I haven't read it yet, but I can only imagine it's about slow food, food where it comes from, kind of some of the things we've talked about in terms mm-hmm. of that, that world. But the chef came out and was kind of, you know, disappointed and kind of making a, a talking point about disappointed that this chef partnered with McDonald's because okay. McDonald's, at least to a certain number of people, is like the lowest food standard, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But a two star Michelin chef. And this is not the first time like Tyler Florence with Applebee's or uh, mm-hmm. I forgot the Latina chef that was with Taco Bell for a short right, time. She right, did, like, right. Fresca. Yeah. So I, I like, remember okay. that, actually. So what happens um, to what degree and why? Hard to say. You made the good point of, hey, you know, times are tough. People are just trying to get food on the plate. Maybe this is just a strategic business move. Or are we to look at McDonald's as this lowest, you know, like, oh, this is the bottom, you know, of, of dining cuisine and we should be above this and they should never exist? Because that's kind of, it feels like the approach it was. Like your dude, uh, uh, Nielsen, I think. What was his name? That dude Magnus Nielsen. Yeah, I think he was the one, if I'm not mistaken, it was mentioned that he was the one that was kind of like, eh, a movement like that has kind of that that uh that fascist kind of like look and that feel to it where it's like oh we're we're not that we're above that and you cannot do this and you know so what's your take on that mcdonald's two-star michelin chef engineering a fucking burger with them well maybe maybe they're the first people to really explore the idea of like the two-tiered uh financial system mm. you know like sure we have our big mac that's i don't know what a big mac costs like four dollars probably six dollars no not six. depending on probably where four. you're at three four maybe yeah where you're at mm-hmm. yeah um or you can get our uh burger with so-and-so's trademark name mm-hmm. and that's eight dollars yeah maybe that maybe they're exploring that possibility mm-hmm. of yeah sure both we can have chicken nuggies and we also have this like dank dank uh burger that you can get that's more expensive and has higher quality ingredients and maybe they're kind of putting some feelers out because they have the capital to explore something like that and mm-hmm. even if it doesn't work out 100 percent, they're probably not going to lose money because yeah. let's be real their buying power is so immense uh and maybe they're they're maybe they're feeling that out and seeing what happens it seems like they're moving with the trend line meaning i mean they took they've taken a lot of menu items off at least to my understanding mm-hmm. um the big, I mean, I know their quarter pounder, which is like a flagship, you know, item of theirs. Mm-hmm. They moved it to, uh, you know, real meat, bigger patties. It, mm-hmm. Definitely a different taste. I mean, I've had it. I'm like, oh, I mean, it's definitely different than it's it was It's changed before. over time? It's is definitely changed. Saying? There was a big uh, a push for that to be like all real yeah. meat, you know, uh, made to order. Kind of like, like the same way people pushed for the RBST in milk. Yes. They, they challenged McDonald's to make it. I, I don't know if it was a public outcry more than just like a mcdonald's shifting it's kind of it's still a business at the end of the day and if you're realizing that they had to keep up with the local market had improved so much i mean think about it in and out um what's it called uh what's the other 
burger joint that made it out here. Burger King? Oh, Shake Shack? Shake Shack made it out here. So those ones kind of border so that. Impressed. I remember that. But that's what I'm saying. But more, they're more on that team. Yeah, yeah. Fast food has quality has gone way up. So maybe McDonald's to their, you know, to their credit, is starting to move, you know, that route. It yeah. makes sense if you want to move into that world of high quality or be associated from a brand wise. Mm-hmm. Why not hire a two star Michelin chef to, mm-hmm. you know, collab with you? Whether it's a promo stunt or whether it's a really he was in there and they're trying to figure out a way to bake better food. Yeah, saying it when you say it that way it makes total sense because. You know, with the current COVID restrictions, especially at, at least in California, you know, people are stuck at home more and going out to eat is a little bit more precious because I think people's cooking ability has gone up at home. So they expect a little bit more and they go out to eat. So, you know, uh, I've noticed that people, when they, they come to pay, they are like super thankful that we're around in, in particular that we as a small business with high quality are around. And so maybe the fast food chains are starting to have some pressure on them. I don't have any financial data on that, but no. uh, I just think it's good business for them. I think it's, it's good. Smart. It's smart. I mean, think about this. There's going to be people who want it better and want it cheap. Yeah, exactly. And if so, you can find them, they're yours. Are we to say that? Oh, uh, two-star Michelin chefs and restaurants are only, you know, only certain people can afford to eat there. Because realistically, that is the case. Well, yeah. we've talked about this before about how many times should the average diner go out to eat. And at what price point? Mm. And maybe McDonald's has thought about that too and said, well, we, we, have, we have customers who can come mm-hmm. to us twice a week. What if one of those two times we could even entice them to be like, look, you could, you can get two-star Michelin quality ideas. Yeah. And think about that. That's essentially when you go to a restaurant, you are paying for That's that huge knowledge, incentive. That knowledge, you are paying for that execution. And if... He's willing to put his name on there with the two-star Michelin, you know, kind of uh, status. Yeah. And that type of person's going to make sure that McDonald's is following up. Dude, and if we're looking at the whole spectrum of things, right, let's just say this. Like, somebody who's never eaten at a Michelin star restaurant finally at least gets to scratch the surface of at least the idea. Almost like a scratch and sniff. Why not? Maybe you didn't buy that product, but you got... You got close yeah, enough to yeah. at least experience something from that ilk. Now, if it's good or not, it's subjective. But mm-hmm. at least now you're thinking... You know, say the average person never heard of a Michelin star restaurant and is like, yo, my first Michelin experience was eating a burger and now I work in one. You will definitely hear those kind of stories where it's yeah. like, I never knew this world existed and there's this area of these super ninjas that know how to cook on an expertise yeah. level. And then all of a sudden, that you almost have, betters the whole fine dining field is that you're experiencing, uh, at least that's my, my exposing yes. more lower income people to a higher level. And we can't even say lower income. I don't, there's everybody eats McDonald's. Everybody, in America. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's yeah. where I think, and not to say there's nothing wrong with pushing a certain type of, uh, you know, style of living, you know, sustainable, like, oh, you know, I, I have the cows that specific how their milk goes to make our cheese, goes to make this. That's amazing. Like, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, but also keep I'm in mind, for that person. Of course. But, but also there's a, a lot of people that that person can't exist world. every single restaurant. I mean, every single there can't is there going to be that much out there in order for us to do that? Because if that was the case, we would be eating wild everything. Yeah, well, I mean, we wouldn't have so many climate change problems as we do if that was every diner felt that way. We wouldn't be eating a lot of farm stuff. We would yeah. be eating more of wild. We'd be eating a lot less chicken, that's for sure. A lot nah. less beef, to yeah. be honest, but yeah. that's not the case. So now if we look at what we're currently, you know, at least the speculative idea is that McDonald's is clearly an option. It's a mm-hmm. multi-billion dollar business for a magnitude of reasons, but 
we can't deny the fact that people eat at these places. So do we continue to look at them and shun them like a food establishment? Like, oh, that's the worst thing and this and that and never do that. Or they serve food too and they're no different than the people here. People working hard there, people working hard here. Different type of techniques. But to your point, we mm-hmm. talked about earlier, at some point in molecular astronomy, you could almost make an argument there are similar techniques to some mm-hmm. degree happening. Yeah. As, especially so, on the uh, uh, on the consistency part of it, mm-hmm. fine dining is super. You know, it doesn't seem maybe from the outside looking in about the consistency, but they want every single plate maybe, in, and it's only ten of them that they do of that plate before the menu changes mm-hmm. again. Those ten plates are going to taste exactly the same yeah. because that's what they're or those. Uh, 51 piece raviolis they make mm-hmm. are going to look exactly the same because they feel like that's their duty to the diner. Almost the same way that McDonald's, the Big Mac you get in San Antonio is going to taste the same as Bend Oregon everywhere, at least in the it's country, g- because sure. they feel that's that, that is their duty to you. It's the same mentality, same mentality, different class, in of super, super different situations. So, yes, situation. Yeah. And I'm not saying, folks out there, for all you chefs that are, may listen to this at some point in the world, uh, your skills are definitely different than the people at McDonald's. But it's not to say yeah. that you're better than them in any way. The, I, the ideologies mm. are, are very similar. Yeah. That's what I think. I mean, at the end of the day, you're trying to feed people. At the cost, yeah. if people do weird shit with their money. But mm. it, McDonald's is always going to be a choice in forever. So if they're in the game, at least it's better to have them moving this route, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And I get the whole point of. I'd rather see McDonald's raise their their cuisine level. Yeah, because all that does is push like someone like Everybody me else. to okay. Well, damn, dude, I gotta beat McDonald's is for sure. Is this burger that you have in your restaurant that's twenty dollars better than this Michelin star eight dollar burger from McDonald's? Yeah, I, I at least have to beat that, right? How many I, Michelin stars you got? Boom. Yeah. yeah. Why is your Zero. Why is your burger twenty ten dollars more yeah, than his? Yeah. I at least have to beat them, so mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do, but yeah. I'm going to. Yeah, and see, people take a lot of, uh, uh, they take into account, like, yo, I'm getting it from scratch from here, which is a good selling point. Where McDonald's, that's not necessarily the case. Maybe certain in uh, items on the menu, maybe, but that's not their shtick. No. But in saying no. that, they are putting point efforts for certain items. Obviously, in the Netherlands, this is an option. It's not here in America. I just thought it was an interesting talking point because it kind of harks on the food culture idea where mm-hmm. what is the culture and how do we walk into this organic world and how do we walk into this? Because to me, I'm like... Well, there's things that McDonald's does here in America that are good. Oh. You know what they do really great is on the Big Mac, the toasting on that middle bun... Perfect. It's perfect. Perfect. So why, it, it, why me as a diner, can I not go to i don't know my local uh beer garden who mm-hmm. does a burger expect that my toasting of my bun be good mm-hmm. at least decent Clearly, yeah because like some minimum wage person mcdonald's is doing it perfect on both buns mm-hmm. yeah you have to at least that if that's the minimum you have to meet that minimum and then go above and beyond and if, go and be you, if be... you want to charge more yeah and i would think that's a good basis for it mm-hmm. but yeah the everyday person maybe is not accustomed to it, at least in a different lifetime. Now, maybe now we go back to the point of the stuff we always kind of re- revisit. Yeah, we do. People are getting better at cooking, being becoming more aware of what they're eating. And I think that's kind of how food works is it, e- it evolves organically along with its people. Because you can't really put one definitive, which I get, like I said, mm-hmm. like yeah, farm to fork, all that stuff. In theory, it's amazing. It, ideally, yes, true. 
why don't we just teach people how to cook? Why don't we just teach people how to farm? So then at times like right now, people can do it. People can do it. But that's but why that's we're not so, everyone's interest. It isn't. So that's why these things exist. Yeah. yeah. So I think having the knowledge is the is the is the best part because you can discern and you could decide for yourself which is best for your choosing and where your money will go. Voting with your dollars, like you said, I'm willing to put eight dollars on a Mission Star Burger to just have the experience. Yeah. Will I eat it again? Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But then now I have that experience. To your point, well, it's definitely that, the only way you're going to get two star Michelin food for eight dollars. Thank you. You never, unless you work there, or you go to that Chinese place that has that one star Michelin, that dim sum place that is like super cheap. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's what I'm saying. Those it, are rare too. The, Let's the be quality real. of food doesn't necessarily reflect in the price. People, mm-hmm. let's forget. Like well, there are and, things out there that are very low. The price quality of quality. food doesn't represent that restaurant as a business either mm-hmm. like the uh my old boss is always much more obsessed with his zagat rating mm-hmm. than his michelin rating because he's you know he's stoked Let, let's be real he he's he's happy that he has the michelin mm-hmm. but he's way more happy that zagat is like you're a good business mm-hmm. you're sustainable yep you make money their following is uh quite a bit there's a big following there and they're very yeah. organized yeah and it's a very reputable company, at least in its history, understanding it. And mm-hmm. there you have a really good way of kind of keeping track of all the restaurants yeah. as, as things go along. And how many three-star Michelin restaurants disappear? True. That See, no one's is, ever heard of. This is funny That happens all the time. Michelin in America is very new. Yeah. This isn't something that is common here. It's more bigger in, in Europe and in, in mm-hmm. the kind of those countries where here it's only now uh, introducing itself. I want to say in the last two years maybe. I would say Michelin has been big in America for maybe the last four or five years. Okay. I, I think that's I think that's for real since people have been taking it seriously. Maybe I think I'm before then Sacramento then because Sacramento for sure the last two the, years, yeah. yeah. Which I can only speak to obviously because yeah. we're here. But yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm just like it's a fascinating talking point. I think both need to exist. The only way we know what great food is is when we have other foods of different stature. Not necessarily mm. different or not necessarily better or worse, just different. Price point will dictate not only what the what the food cost is, but you are dictating when the brand, the whole entire experience, whether it's to go in your car, this and that. So I think as the modern diner, uh, you know, person will start to assess the information, it's best to one understand it as much as you can to make an educated choice based yeah. on and it's yeah. it's so subjective. Very like I, I went to uh, this coffee place down the street. And I had like the dankest omelet I've had in so long. Then I went back like three more times last week. Yeah. And then I had like the dankest breakfast pulled pork fried egg sandwich. I was like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. But this would also never get a Michelin star. Never. Yeah. Because it's too messy. And But that doesn't mean it's not good. Mm. There's a certain standard to Michelin Guide. It's specific. You, yeah. don't, you won't see Michelin Guides, you know, yeah, in it's, McDonald's. It's a small like... Cone of view viewership, mm-hmm. yeah. very small, very yeah, small. It's very directed, singular. Yeah, view. Yeah, yeah. They're not going to go to like. Uh, although they, to be fair to them, they slowly branched out with uh, the Bib Gourmand and stuff like that. They've mm-hmm. started to branch out to different things that, like, yes, your quality is that high. Maybe you don't have the look that we're looking for, but your food quality is high. So let's give you this Bib Gourmand. And maybe that's an American thing and not so much a European thing. Or maybe maybe we as America are more progressive in that way than, than Europe is. And We are different. I don't know. But I, I mean, I, I think the to, to the point of what we were talking about earlier, Michelin's also a business, just like Zagat. 
I mean, if you're trying to make business in America and become that, you know, top rated site that people go to for a trusted source of whatever, you may have to well, diversify. Well, they're selling ad space. That's what I'm saying. So you might have to diversify. It's just, let's be honest, Michelin is no different than any other rating system. And mm-hmm. They're no is, different than Eater, yeah, than exactly. Thrillist, yep. than, I don't know, I can't think of another one off the top of my head, yeah. but... I know what you're saying. Then those, then they're they're out there to promote these restaurants, Mm -hmm. so that when Vogue comes to them or Chanel comes to them for, hey, we want to buy five seconds of ad space on your next uh, whatever Facebook video you put out, Mm -hmm. they can say, cool. Well, we're going to charge you ten grand for that. Boom, and business is made. And be and but Vogue only goes to them because they know Michelin Michelin targets this group of people. Demographic. Yeah, I mean, I was just talking to my brother about this to the other day and we were both like it's unreal that data is the most expensive commodity in the world but yet it's also limitless because we create more and more of it every day Mm -hmm. but that's what those people are out there to get they're out there to get your data and this is getting a little too far away from food but you know yeah right in food but but you have to be aware of what you're looking at yeah and and who's judging that on what criteria and that's always the questions to ask because when you look at, you know, where Michelin, you know, started or where Zagat started, and you do have to understand what it is they're truly rating because it doesn't necessarily apply to all food environments. And to your point, great pulled pork down the street at the cafe, we'll never see a Michelin star. It's Michelin feeling for sure. You're like, damn, that shit is. Yeah. Well, if you, if you go eat at Michelin food and you try their, uh, I don't know, scallop crudo, and you're like, wow, that was amazing. And then you go to, like, Roxy Deli whatever and get the sandwich and you're like dude that was amazing mm-hmm. you get that same inner feeling as you as a person mm-hmm. but those are two way different price points that are targeting two different way different demographics yeah i think that's the thing i think maybe to your point the idea of michelin and the idea of these rating systems to restaurants is a good thing in theory because you're kind of it's a a, a judging system to kind of keep you know restaurants on heel and kind of have this uh, niche market kind of carved mm-hmm. out to some degree. It kind of makes sense. I mean, I want to say every like Thrillist has their set of restaurants and so on and so forth. Um, but in saying that, as the diner, be cognizant of all these things because to the diner, experience is everything. Yeah. So my thing is like, take you know, save up money to have a Michelin experience if you ever can, or if the opportunity ever comes by, I highly recommend it. Um, on the basis of experiencing it so Mm -hmm. then you know how to reference it and then everything that you eat along the way you start to get a nice palette of things you had and then you could really truly decide where you kind of like but food is food at the end of the day and i think that not taking it seriously so i I do have a you know distaste for kind of like oh it has to be in this that and you know i think i think there's something for everybody and i think understanding that i think my my big thing is making sure that you're as educated as one Cooking at home is a great thing and learning some skills and techniques, but also getting out there and, and experiencing food from other people, I think, ultimately helps you at the end of the day. And I think this applies to everybody because if you're not cooking at home by now, you need to get on it. Well, you've done yourself a huge disservice. Yeah. Because you've had term. the time yeah. now. To, mm-hmm. to, uh, I was kind of, you know, as, we, as you were talking, I was thinking about my original question of uh, food versus food plus at the same restaurant and Maybe I phrased the question wrong to myself and I should be asking, can a singular restaurant location target two different uh, financial demographics successfully? Or do they they put out what they put out in two different 
food, two different financial demographics can afford it versus targeting those de- demographics separately in the same location. That's a good point. I think I think food is one of those weirdo places because there's never a there's never a place um, you can never find like a it almost and I don't know for sure, but some restaurants it's just kind of organic because you do have to factor in if you want to you know really target one, but then sometimes people random people just kind of come if for whatever reason you can't really put your finger on why or how you just kind of well like there's people like me who are gonna go into. Um, a sharing type restaurant where you order share plates and whatever. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to show up with a, a group of, even if it's just me and one other person, yeah. we're ordering like five plates Yeah. versus maybe there's a table of four who orders like three plates. Mm-hmm. Cause if I showed up with four people to a place like that, I'm ordering like seven plates. Of course. Let's be real. And maybe I'm not, but maybe that's the sharing restaurant idea is, is the way that restaurants can target two different financial demographics. I think if you're targeting two and you have a price point, I think that's where the restaurants that do have kind of a following where you got people that come off and come in and do off menu stuff and kind of have these experiences where, you know, they just come in for private dining. You know, it's kind of like there's what's oh, on menu and then there's like off menu stuff and then there's all the card stuff. And a lot of that comes with, I think, per our conversation before. Yeah, you get familiar with a place and you start to, you know, earn their yeah. trust and they feel comfortable there. Appear. Things start to appear, especially with people that are, you know, chefs that are very forthcoming with their cuisine. Like, yo, I'm willing to, you know, I'm doing an experiment, come through, this and that. Like, there's always going to be some kind of extra edge thing. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, restaurateurs want a following, but a repeat following, I think, is even even more. Because then you're able to really let loose as a, as, as a cook or a creative where you're like, yo, I'm able to really, you know, try my hand at this. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of those patrons will be you know, very honest with you in a lot of ways. Once you have that repeat following too, um, you feel more free to take a little bit more chance Mm -hmm. because you know that that diner has had your food so many times that if you make a misstep, they know, Hey, he was pushing. He was pushing. I didn't like it, Mm -hmm. but but I do know that they can cook. I do know that there's other, and maybe the next time I come in, mm-hmm. I, I tell them, hey, I don't want whatever you're working on. I'm just here to get the, the thing that I know I mm-hmm. like. And, and maybe that the time after that is when they're willing to branch out again. Uh, but it is it is super nice when people come in all the time and, and you know, you're like, hey, let me just give you this for free. Yeah. That happens, you know, more often than you would think. I, I would think. I do it all the time. There you oh, go. I was doing it all the time, but pre-COVID, when when people had the had the financials to be able to do that, yeah. come in, you know, once a week, once every other week. So that's why I'm thinking. After all this, I think things are. I mean, one, I already think things are different, but I think coming out of this, the the culinary world and idea, I think, is already has been shifting. Um, I think as it continues on, I don't know where it goes, but it is fascinating for sure. Because I think there will be a bigger emphasis put on, you know, the things you talk about, the quality, the pricing. I mean, it's going to be a little more scrutinized nowadays. I mean, think about it. I, I hope so. You know, I mean, I, I'm d- uh, I'm down. I'm down to be pushed. Yeah. You yeah. know, I thrive. I I love that when people are like, "What? Like, what are you doing?" Mm-hmm. You know, as, as much as I kind of bitch about it sometimes, about like, "Damn, dude! Like, I just figured out this dish, and now you want something new." Mm-hmm. It's still exciting because I'm like, "Cool, you you're willing." to to go on this journey with me where i kind of like stretch the envelope a little bit and mm-hmm. like maybe last time where you had chicken alfredo 
maybe a couple of times later, you're down to try like chicken liver mousse that I made. Mm-hmm. And that's something more exciting for me because it's unusual and new to me. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's something new to you, but we can go on that journey together. Yes. You're rather helping than, people along the way. Rather than just like I have to just constantly do the same thing for everybody. Yeah. And it's it's not to say there are people out there that get regulars. That's why I think it, to each his own. And I think that's the beauty of a restaurant is a restaurant can sit and have those people that are like, oh, that's the Tuesday, 7 o'clock. And then there's the people like, yo, I'm just looking for an experience. And you get all in one. And I think the when you get comfortable with the dish is when you strike it down. I think that's always something you need to do as a chef is to always feel uncomfortable in the kitchen and always kind of feel like you need to tinker always because once you arrive at the best dish, it's never the case. Where do you go from that? That's what I'm saying. The best dish is always in the past maybe, or you have yet to create it. And I think yeah. that's the driving force of at least, you know, chefs out there from the creative side of, you know, putting things together, whether it's, mm-hmm. it's something technical or whether it's something really just off the wall. Yeah. Uh, either way, I think that feeds the need yeah. and is part of what, you know, make chefs want to continue to be in the kitchen and learn, you know, all those things and how to mm-hmm. be so comfortable in a kitchen where if something does happen, you know, you're you're out of this and you're you're doing this and you have to think on the fly. I think that's when you become, you know, a chef is when when you can when you can solve adversity. that problem exactly when you face adversity second. is when you now show yeah. your skills because well all change that is always moves. uncomfortable exactly and in a kitchen it's always the case something's always going to go down ovens down all right we got to change this roast duck to yeah. I guess know, we're whatever. not I guess we're not doing this chawa chawa mis whatever that word is the Japanese custard chawamushi chawa I guess we're not doing chawamushi tonight because the oven won't oh. hold temperature at this temperature so. So what are so we going to do? We're doing straight stovetop steaming. Like yeah. we're doing something like yeah. we got to figure it out. We got to figure it out. As a, as a we chef, have to. you got to figure it out. And that's and it can't just be good yep. enough. It has to be good. Yeah. Because then you'll toss a dish if it doesn't meet requirement. You could have all the prep for it. It doesn't make it to the final cut. Mm-hmm. You That prep is family meal tomorrow or, yeah, it's, yes. you know what I mean? Or, 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 or then you even have to go even farther with your creative abilities and with your technical abilities. You have to be like, cool, this was supposed to be chocolate souffle. It's chocolate souffle base. Our oven doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, that chocolate was like $30 a pound. Mm-hmm. We cannot staff that. Yeah. You need to figure out something. Yeah. And you're just like, okay. Yeah. There you go. And that's the beauty of the journey, at least from the cook's professional side, cooks to mm-hmm. chefs to so on and so forth. I think where the diner comes in is any diner that's willing to you know, pay with their dollars, hard-earned, is you know experiencing you know what the chef has to offer what the what restaurant has to offer in terms of their offering today and that's as simple as it gets and yeah. however many people willing to you know come on the journey and their repeat businesses where people are looking to kind of be guided to some degree and then to be exposed to a new world ultimately to you know continue on in their culinary journey it's forever I mean, along with talking about diets in the past, I mean, you know, just casually dining out and being, you know, cognizant of all these things. It's like, yes, putting something, putting something in your body is always important. And I think the more you know, the better off you are. That includes eating at home, cooking at home, eating out, fine dining. It's the thing, in my opinion. And I think to have equipped with the knowledge of you know what you can do on your own and what you've learned with eating with people talking to chefs like you said before talk to me ask me questions i mean you know i'm always available to a certain degree i'm willing to help you understand and that this and that because all you want at the end of the day is you know customer loyalty you want repeat Mm -hmm. business you want people to be you know engaged in what you're doing and i think that that's 
that's righteous. I think I can't speak for all restaurants that want to do that, but you know, you could only hope, and that would be the standard because uh, you would hope to go in and people are, you know, on that thinking, like where it's like, yeah, I'm trying to put the best foot out forward. This is my creative offering of the day. We've went through hell and back to get to service, and finally mm-hmm. we're here. Once you're at service, that's just, you know, that's just going through work. You know what I mean? All the hard Sometimes. work is already put in before. I mean, Sometimes. when you're getting slammed and shit, you know what I mean? I get it, but. Uh, Even then, there's a certain rush to it. It's almost like you're in war, yeah. and once you tick it out, it's like, oh, I'm the greatest. Where's my shift beer at? Where's <laughs> my shift beer? That yeah. beer after a Friday night tastes way better oh, than just a, a beer while bike riding in the morning. You know what I mean? <laughs> True. You know, I, I, I find us a lot of times uh, kind of getting in this situation where we talk about um, – the neighborhood bistro restaurant that's that's really you know maybe has someone who trained at a super high level but is much happier cooking at maybe the average diner level with certain level of techniques that are more advanced and i think that's the perfect location that really uh peel and also on this podcast we always find ourselves kind of trying to peel back the curtain Mm -hmm. maybe for the average diner to see like this is what is actually happening Mm -hmm. and like come with us on this journey join us on it it's not that we're hiding this these challenges from you on purpose we're we're trying to take these challenges on so that you don't even notice that Mm -hmm. there was a problem yeah and that and that that neighborhood bistro satisfies you um makes you full makes you happy Mm -hmm. without you even realizing that there was a problem and and i think we're trying to highlight hey look at what that restaurant did to make you happy and like appreciate that and and to not take it for granted because those people are working so hard to make it seem like nothing happened that's true there's some and kind of hindu think, calmness with it yeah and that Hilarious. and that not only did they do that but they enjoyed it and they did it for you yeah labor of love truthfully yeah the love shines through the food i mean you know and that's always the ingredient i think that you know, always transcends. If you could put honesty into your work and it is done righteously, I mean, that's all you can do. You put yourself out there. It's the hardest thing to do. It's mm-hmm. very self-conscious as, a, you know, a cook or a chef for people to eat your food. Day in and day out, you know, it's yeah, like, well, oh, it's, my God, it's, I'm it's you. putting myself on here. And it's you can you. only, you know, be happy when people, you know, are satisfied. And at the end of the day, it's that simple, folks. But mm. to your point, I, I agree. Like, you know, people, people just want to engage. You know what I mean? Yeah, and we want, and and that's how we're engaging with you as the as the diner, as the guest, as the customer. Is like we're, you know, not to get too exaggerant, but like we're putting our bleeding heart on a plate for you, mm-hmm. and we want nothing more for you than to just be like that was awesome, mm-hmm. and just like thank you for sharing that part of me, sh- that part of you with me. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's so enjoyable when people love it. You know, and yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. Besides that, it's it's just awesome when, when even you just tell your server like, "Hey, can you tell tell the kitchen or you guys are like you as the server like you're crushing." Yeah. Like, I see you handling all these tables and like you're you're crushing this and like the kitchen. Tell them that this like skin was perfect mm-hmm. and the sauce was perfect. Yeah. yeah? To get those reactions out of people is always unique. I mean, and and that's like yeah. how you like get in with that restaurant and like yeah, when you go on that first date there or you go on your tenth wedding anniversary there, memorable. They hook you up. Yep. I think people are kind of always looking for that unique restaurant experience, mm-hmm. and I don't think they realize how easy it is to get. It is. It is as long so as you're easy. mindful of it because you can really vet out. 
what restaurant works for you. And, and, and there's so many restaurants out there. That's why I advise everybody to really try as many restaurants as you can permitting. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's if you went benefit. to the same McDonald's like two times a week and mm-hmm. just gave them hella compliments, that manager is going to remember you and still hook you. you get, here, here's a free McFlurry. Yeah. Oh, someone didn't order this. Here we go. It always works with it. It's at the any human level, thing. It's the human at condition. any level, yeah, we we're there to help you. Yeah, so just be- believe me when I say that. Like, yeah, we know it's expensive because we go out to eat all the time. We save our money for like mm-hmm. a month at a time to go eat somewhere nice. Yeah, maybe almost at the same price point that we cook at. Yeah, we get it. We yeah. we're here with you. It's not us versus you. No, it's we're with you. Mm-hmm. We're the same. Yeah, I guess that's what. I, maybe that's just what I'm trying to get across. Is like. I'm with you as the diner. I love going to eat at the same price point that I cook at. And like, I want you to have a good experience because I want to have a good experience wherever I go. Yeah. That's the old adage. It's like, do on to others as you do on to yourself. For sure. For sure. But it's old school. It's like, it's just going back to basics. And I can't speak for all restaurants, but uh, I want to say restaurants are definitely on high alert in many degrees now. And not, not to say anything bad. It's just more of... You know, uh, industry's changing to some degree. The game of everyone has risen. Yeah. Like McDonald's is doing stuff with two-star mission stuff. Cool. Well, I got to meet McDonald's. Exactly. Otherwise, Uh, why are you coming to eat with me? Exactly. I got to offer something a little more. I got to put a little more emphasis on the the service, or I got to put a little more emphasis Mm -hmm. on the food. I mean, it's kind of weeding out whatever was unnecessary to begin with. Not to say, you know, it's by force, but... It kind of is. I mean, the to-go is now uh, now a staple of restaurants again. Where yeah. Before, it used to be, and it slowly dissipated to where it was only Chinese restaurants and pizza joints. Now, we're kind of back full-blown, where yeah. I don't really to see go a lot of restaurants. To-go wasn't, like, an emphasis. Fine, people were no. just like, fine, I'll do to-go, but, like, whatever. Yeah, but now people are demanding a service of, you know, quality, mm-hmm. um, at least with their food in that regard. And mm-hmm. I think for restaurants to shun that away after, supposedly, this happens would be foolish because it's an established business model now at least on the interim now opening the restaurant back it'll be maybe a little more work for the kitchen a little more coordination but i don't see a restaurant that would be you know i scared. love that exactly it's another I love challenge that. i'm like cool more, more how, more how do we time people. this up with the with the table like just uh over valentine's day and then the weekend after it, i can speak to the weekend after in particular like yeah like we had a bunch of reservations at a certain time and mm-hmm. people were coming to order. I'm like, give me that order to go. Yeah, sure. Cause yeah. I don't, I don't have that table outside. Like the problem solving of it, of it is like the best part. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so much fun to be like, okay, how, how fast can I do this? And how realistic can I be? And da, 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 and like, okay, I got to do this and I got to do that. I love that fucking yeah, part. It's that's, a challenge. What, that's, that's the rush. Yeah. It's, it's, it's worse to have a, a typical day. At least oh. in the restaurant business, as much as any chef or cook will say it or server will be like, man, I just want it to calm down. But the reality no. of it, you want to get out there. You want to work hard. That, you want to make dude. dough. You want to get in the weeds. You want like to get I, weird. Yeah. That's just it's like it my is. old sister says, like, you should get better every day. And for fuck's sake, don't be the fucking same. At least get worse. Don't mm. be the same every day. Yeah, that's a good adage. I mean. That's trash, dude. What are we really what are doing, you doing fighting then? for it? You know? And I think that's why as much as consistency is always key and i think something to work for it's never truly achieved i think in the idea that there is going to be some imperfection uh, to a certain degree and for reason is because you're trying your best and almost going above and beyond to try to you know you know get an experience at least that's the hope because if you're shooting for that at least then then now we know that the effort's being put in and mm-hmm. trying to get kitchens mm-hmm. on board across the way i mean this is never going to be a universal think tank but you know a lot of restaurants are 
hopefully will be kind of on that level to varying degrees because as you know as a consumer you are going to be a little more all right where am i going to spend this money yeah yeah. At least more now because things have been different. Money's hard to come by. It is. And everything's kind of shifting. So every every meal counts. And it, it doesn't necessarily change what it was like before, but it seems like as we continue on, there's going to be quite a shift. I, I, that's what I foresee. Mm-hmm. Um, and not, not in anything bad. I just think ultimately it's going to be for the better of everything. Quite a shift in the future of dining, you mean? or Yeah. I think so, whether it's the diner's mindset, whether it's the restaurant itself, just more or less the ideas, even as simple as like, you know, the packaging comes in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything. And I think it's it's for the better. I think we are truly moving to a different, you know, phase, whatever you want to call it. Um, But in in, in terms of food and the spectrum, I think that uh, there are a lot more people cooking. Uh, I, I hear stories, you know, always about, you know, people taking on new new things the, the everyday Man, people person. are becoming more advanced cooks at home yeah and that'll ultimately put you know restaurants to the fire at least ulti- i would think that would happen look if i'm baking you know bread at home i want to be buying bread and looking at bread like oh yeah the crumbs kind of nice looks good yeah well your bread at the restaurant that i'm paying for better be better bread i can make at home yeah and that's how it works or better be cheaper than the bread at mm-hmm. home and the bread i can make at home is like a dollar so you can't be cheaper than it Easily. so you better be better yeah I just like a world where everybody's kind of, you know, culinary minded, at least yeah. to varying degrees. Like I said, because even if it's not anything of fanciness, it's just more of what you put in your body, whether it's yeah. in the diet form. Like we've talked about it before, hydrating, shit like that. Dude, eat oatmeal in the morning, whatever it is that's your stick. I love eating at night. There's something for everybody, folks. This isn't a, yeah. a one-way street. This is a fucking interlooping highway with multiple exits yeah. and entrances. Like Austin. There's something for everybody. <laughs> all but the freeways. Exactly. All Don't ever feel yeah. like it's not for you. There is something out yeah. there for you. But, I like the world know. where everyone's uh, pushing each other to be better in a positive way. Mm. Like, hey, like I made bread at home. Your bread's not as good as mine. Boom. But like, what? And and not just being like going on Yelp and be like, your bread sucked, and I can make better at home. And just like going to them and be like, hey, like, uh, uh, oh, I know, I went to a food truck recently and had like the dankest Cuban Cubano burrito, and it was fire. And I uh, messaged them on Instagram. I was like, hey, just had your burrito. Absolute fire. I feel like the rice was maybe a little overcooked. I didn't make it public. You know, it was just yeah, to them. Personally. I feel like the, maybe the rice was a little overcooked. But, like, hey, overall, fire. And then immediately went on my Instagram and posted, just had this from this place. Absolute bang. And need to go get it. And they messaged me back right away. Hey, it's it's fried rice. And, you know, super happy. And I was like, oh, well, if it's fried rice, it was perfect. Then don't worry yeah. about it. You know, just ignore what I said. But like, yeah, like the uh, I think I said before, there's a way to go tell the restaurant like, hey, I think you made a mistake without like Play putting them on blast. You know, and it's not a you versus them thing. No, no we're you're in been. it with them. Yeah, because they want you to be happy. So if someone wa- like if your if family really member wants you, you to be happy, are you going to go tell the rest of the family first that they fucked up and, before you go the tell them? Yeah. No, you're going to go to that person and be like, hey, man, go like, direct. I yeah. think you kind of were messed up for that, yeah. you know? Or you, am I often saying this? Or or did I not understand you? Because yeah. that's exactly what happened with that burrito. True. It was like, I didn't I didn't read it closely enough. And I didn't I, know the I, method. I didn't see fried rice. True. It so changed I, the whole perspective. You know, and either way, it was still banging. Yeah. It was still, I would buy it again yeah. 10 out of 10 times. Yeah. So, yeah. 
I guess I think it goes both ways. I'm always I just asking having, for a little bit more patience. But having people say that is few and far between. But if we get in the type of culture that facilitates that, and instead of being versus each other, maybe being you know with each other, like you said before, you're definitely willing to you know take on any criticism and, and willing to you know debate and you know it just helps ideas. me get better. Yeah, exchange ideas and whatever I need to do to make it right. I want to say you're you're right in saying that. I think most restaurants are on the same boat of hey, if it's wrong, we'll fix it. One hundred percent. And you don't yeah. need to be a silent, you know, yelper, oh, unidentified. You know what I'm saying? We had a guy Saturday. We're getting our absolute butt kicked, you know, understaffed as per usual. You like the limoncello. And, uh, nice. <laughs> and uh, you know, we're, we're trying to help as many people as we can. We're trying to keep the wait times as short as possible. This guy's food's backed up on the counter. Uh the server who had talked to him hadn't had a chance to relate to us in the kitchen that who's here. And, you know, we absolutely could have cashed him out. And, you know, I'm not saying it's his fault. hundred percent. It's definitely our fault that we didn't get the food to him as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, there was a breakdown in communication on our end yeah. for X amount of factors. You know, I don't want to make excuses, but like there was nothing stopping that guy from being like, Hey, just so you know, I'm here. And I believe that's my food. If, if you want to mind cash me out instead of, waiting getting mad Silently building angry. it and just like being angry so when we finally catch them out and be like i just want you to know i sat here and watched my food get cold for 15 minutes and we're like dude i'm so sorry what yeah. can we do mm-hmm. and we say nothing i'm like well you know what fuck you too then because yeah. like it's right there it's, 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 it's not, not like it's not like you know. have no control over the situation at all mm-hmm. what what stop you know and like this is a little reactive and i'm still kind of hot about it but hey like, But, like, you know what I mean? Like, you got to understand, as much as you try your best every day, so am I. Yeah. But I can only, like I said before, I only have so many work work units I can put out per hour, per minute. Yeah. And, like, maybe if he had just stepped in and been like, hey, you know, I I think that's mine. Would you mind cashing me out so I can get out of your way? Yeah. How much more positive an experience is that for both of us than you just sitting there waiting, being mad for another 15 minutes, and then... We're after you leave, we're just like pissed off that we fucked up, you yeah. know. And and then he's you mad know for sure superficially there. we're mad at you, but yeah. in reality we're more mad at ourselves because so, breakdown of communication. And then you're mad at us. Yeah, while well, it's just sitting there, you can if you see just it. We're proactive. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. I think yeah. it is changing the idea of what uh, a guest or a customer is in a restaurant and the relationship that is, because if to your point, let's break that barrier down and be yeah. like, look, let's let's communicate. You're, you're with us. Yeah. Let us help you mm-hmm. to the best ability yeah. we can. Because you're Cause helping it, us by coming yeah. here. So there, let's and I would have been so much efficient. more. And yeah. like the next time you come in, I'm gonna see you and make sure you get your food right away. Because I'm gonna be like, that guy was so dope. He helped us out. True. Let me let let's throw him in a little. I don't know. Let a little. Oh, we have a little extra special dessert left over. Here, give him that. Give him that. Yeah. You know, hospitality. That is the business. That's why we're here. That is. I, the I business. want to help you. Yes. It's. Exactly. I'm not. It's not that. Me I versus you. Yeah. yeah. But some yeah. people have that mentality. I yeah. work hard. I want to come here and not even have to do anything. And to uh, their okay. point, I get that. But it's you just get out what you put of in what you get out what you put into anything. Good point. It's you want to put, put in put, nothing, you're gonna you get, get the nothing. minimum back. Yeah. See, this is to the point of mm. everybody needs to work in a restaurant for one year, mm. front and back, six months here, six months there, before you exit yeah. high school. And I just want to clarify, it's absolutely hundred percent not that guy's fault. 100% it's our fault that we messed up. I'm going to edit and this and it's, I'm going to edit this out. So <laughs> no, go ahead. But like, 
it's a hundred percent our fault that we that we messed up one hundred percent. But at the end of the day, he suffered. Yes. And and that and that's our fault. And if you can't help your own cause in that world, for you sure. Think like, I'm just hey, saying, you can say something, but in saying that, it is our fault. We will try better next time. Yeah. I wish you didn't have a shitty experience and had to wait until yeah. you were cashed out to express that to us. And it, when it's clearly yeah. right there. And in no way is it your responsibility to tell us anything. I'm just saying, if if that guy had put in just a little bit to be like, hey, I'm here and I think that's mine. I know my stuff. And I know that's extra on you after you've worked an extra long day. But think of how much extra you're getting back. You're getting your food faster, yeah. you know, uh, exactly on time because mm-hmm. it was ready. It, and, and, and it's just sitting I there. It just I don't know how to say shuffle. any more clear than it's 100% our fault. Yes. But if that guy could have just given given me yeah. 5% effort to be like, I think that's mine, I could have cashed him out and got him out. And then he has a good experience. Maybe not the best experience. And trust me, I'm still going to feel bad that some customer had to tell me. Yes. But at least he's not mad. Having that and then on. I don't have to be as like, I don't, you know, I, I'm still going to go to my team and be like, hey, you guys, we fucked up. Like yeah. this customer had to tell me, you know, like we're still going to figure out the same problem. Yeah. But it's a much easier solution on everybody around. Is there a line with customer to uh, chef ownership, whatever relationship? Because something to that in yeah. that in that in that example, if that person was a regular in terms of, hey, what's up, Polo? Hey, what's up, everybody? He'd probably be like, hey, I see my stuff here. Cool. I'm just going to leave this. Uh, keep the change. I'm out. Versus, it's my first time here. Yeah. You know. And it's, then, a, it's a hard situation. You yeah. Know? And everyone's going to have a different mentality. You of know, course. some people are going to be much more like, yeah, that's mine. Like, don't worry about it. I got you. Yep. Some people are, are much more reserved and are yeah. just going to wait their turn. Yeah. And, you know, I get that. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that's the case, but uh, in, in, yeah. as you were saying it, I'm thinking about, do we want to get to the point where, and every restaurant probably has a handful, if not a bunch of people that are like that first name basis. I see you every day, this and that. It's a great thing. Yeah, I've had people who accidentally like dropped cash and left under, and I'm just like, next time they show up, I'm like, hey, yeah. bro, I need an extra five bucks from you. Yeah. And they're like, oh, my bad, yeah. whatever. Yeah, see? And that's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that in, in, in restaurant biz, in my opinion. I think there's not enough of it, in my opinion. Yeah. I think because restaurants are scooting up. At least in the, in the small, locally-owned restaurant. Yeah. you would Probably think in it, the franchise, they can't do that. No, 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 no. I mean, I, in more franchises, you'd probably be more surprised. Because I know like yeah. uh, some of those bigger, more in the lunchtime area. Because l- lunchtime yeah. is when you yeah. see veteran servers. Yeah. Usually it's more Not like the, at a Ruth's Chris no, Valentine's no, no, Day no. dessert. I mean, maybe you'll see the same server to some degree. But those are like the high-end, you know, I work here for six months and I make, you know, fucking five Gs, night and tips. Like yeah. Type shit with the lunchtime, I think, is when you see the season servers, the old school. Oh, I've had this, I've been eating, you know, breakfast with, you know, Katie for 15 years. I followed her everywhere. And that's the hospitality part. I think mm-hmm. that you don't see that much of that uh, hospitality in the in the nighttime dining as much as I would hope to see or think. I think with mm-hmm. certain neighborhood restaurants, the ones that are really, really good at it, you would almost say 90 or, you know, 70%, 75% of their clientele is like that. Yeah, I'm going to try and get back to you on this number because I had a server ask me the other day. He's yeah. like, how many repeat customers do you think we have? And I was like, well, it's easy to find out. Just every person that comes in for a week ask if they've been here before. True. And we'll find out. So I'll, I'll try and get back to you with the actual number maybe yeah. if I can. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, if it is a neighborhood restaurant or a local restaurant, that is what you're trying to foster is you knowing where you're at and the you people that come that's in. how your business succeeds exactly is on it, it is within your proximity and the people that have come to you for 
you know, the experience, the food, the branding, whatever it is that you've done to your, you know, to your degree, whatever it is. What's up, Bobby? I'm just going to turn on this light because it's getting dry. I can't see. Oh, you can't see. He's getting dizzy, folks, everybody. That's what happens when you get hammered and, yeah, you know, ride bikes. That's what happens when you ride bikes and they drink and 70 degree weather and pretend it's middle of summer. But yeah, blurring that line of, of that, I think, yeah. I like I said, uh, but it's, the, the I have not been in restaurants in quite a bit, but my time in restaurants, I was able to experience that to varying degrees. But also a lot of the times, there's a lot of new people. So I totally get that. Um, and it's all an environment and how you foster, you know, the, the workplace and kind of that setting. And it's a great challenge. Like I said, going forward for restaurants, it is going to be quite fascinating seeing how things kind of develop and you know, and we're never going to put a finger on if it's actually changed, but it's safe to say that at least there is a jumping point because restaurants are already in a weird position to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what to say besides. Yeah, for sure. I don't know what the hell we're going to be doing in a couple of months. For all I know, we're still going to be in lockdown. And for all I know, we're going to be having people inside like tomorrow. I know. For with all the rumors, I don't, I don't know what's happening. The rest of it, I, I saw someone, uh, Post on the Instagram there in Oklahoma, and they were in a busy restaurant inside, not one single person wearing a mask. Yeah. And they were, you know, their little caption was like, I guess COVID doesn't exist here. Uh, you see it you in, in parts of the country for sure. Um, my thing is okay, are there going to be restaurants that are like, hey, mask on, vaccine only? Yeah. Checking your vaccine card yeah. at the door. I don't think I'm going to be like that, honestly. But there is know? the belief that there will be places like that. I th- I think there will be. I think yeah. uh, I think, and that's going to be more up to each individual owner. You know, I'm kind of more of like probably probably when we can have people inside again, I'm probably still going to space them out mm-hmm. just because that's where I'm going to feel comfortable, and I think that's my clientele and that's my local market. Yeah. Uh, but I'm sure there's going to be places who are not in the same community as mine who are just gonna pack them in mm-hmm. and that's their choice and i i believe in the free market and, mm-hmm. and that's your choice as an individual owner yeah. yeah the free market's gonna figure stuff out to the best um income of the owner that's the yes. that's the trick with understanding the free market the free market does not work in the interest of the consumer only as long as it um pertains to the income of, of the owner yeah i agree I'm fascinated to see that. Like I said, I mentioned yeah. to you earlier about I'm, that I'm situation s- in New York. I, I can't like, wait eh, to see what happens. Yeah, because I want to say we may be entering a situation. This is hypothetical, folks. This is just blurting out nonsense. But I think there will be restaurants like, hey, we require masks. Hey, we require vaccines yeah. here. I'm like, all right, respect. I get it. I, I yeah. think that that's okay if that's the owner's choice. Like you said, free market will ultimately you know, work itself out in whatever degree. I think there will be places that will just be full bore, like as if nothing happened. I mean, to varying degrees. Well, there's already places There's doing places it. that are already doing that. So it, it, it will yeah. be fascinating. Um, yeah. I can only speak to what, you know? to what I would feel comfortable right now doing is I would definitely keep people spaced out. I'm not going to make sure you got a vaccine or not. I'm probably going to ask you to wear your mask if you're not currently eating or drinking at your table. And at your table, you know, if you get up to – I want to make sure everyone's comfortable, but that's my local market. You it's, know what's uncomfortable about that? If I ate a fucking some dish down there that had hella garlic in it, and then I got to put my mask on, and then get those burps, 
Oh, I was like, I'm gonna stand outside because that's gross. <laughs> Burping outside, in your own mask <laughs> with the garlic flavor. You know what I'm talking about. That garlic shit will. Uh, you can brush your teeth 25 times and drink and Listerine, still... and that that garlic just sticks. I mean, I'm Filipino, dude. We love garlic in the Philippines. It sticks the same way it does to the knife. It's that's all I'm saying. You. That's almost some disrespectful shit, especially after meal. You gotta at least give like a 15 minute grace period where, like, okay, you could belch out. Hopefully, get you're air. drinking a cocktail from the bar at the same something. time. That's something that's tough. I mean, maybe a mint flavored cocktail from the bar. Yo, mints <laughs> have gone up in stock <laughs> with this whole pandemic. It has to be because breathing in your own, like. After eating, that's got to be the worst because then all of a sudden it gets on the mask and then it, especially if it's a mask that you've used, it's like, fuck, you got to wash that shit all the time because that shit will stink, especially right after you eat and you're breathing it in and just, uh, <laughs> I'm just saying that's me after I eat. I ain't trying to be, you know, fucking covering my face and smelling my own breath at that point, especially if it's that's an Italian awesome. place because I know you're Italian and people, you know, garlic is nice on Italian yeah, food. We don't, we don't use as much garlic, I think, as people believe we do. There's but some I mean, dishes uh, that don't have garlic, and people are like, "What?" I'm like, "Yeah, what?" Garlic is tremendous. Italians aren't. I mean, for I using l- garlic. I love garlic. Don't get me wrong. I I got I got a cook right now who eats two cloves a day raw. I'm like, what? "You're insane for what?" What is he a I vampire? Know, or, he's a, weird. or trying to fight vampires? Because he's young and he's wild, and he wants to eat two gar- two pieces of garlic a day. Because he's crazy. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm sense. not there for that moment. But I mean, raw but, garlic is actually really good for you. Uh, apparently, I mean, I don't know. You I'll gotta drink, think. I'll that shit is gar- spicy when you eat it raw. Oh, it makes my stomach hurt. <laughs> I do throw that in some kale shakes of mine once in a while. That and ginger will fucking you know light your ass. Well, ginger's fire. ginger's fire. Ginger's fire. Ginger. Garlic's fire though. But garlic garlic fire. is fire. Don't get me wrong, but you ain't going to catch me eating raw garlic just, like, for fun. Maybe if it's in a dish with some, like, vinegar in it and it's kind of marinated. Like pickled? I guess it would be technically pickled if Best it was, Best garlic like, item out there in the world. Bad, oh, what am I supposed to say to I that? mean, there's a bunch of them. Know. Black garlic, roasted garlic, You know, garlic I don't salt, think I've ever... Flakes. I've never had... Black, black garlic? garlic? I've never had it. Are you crazy? Okay, uh, take roast garlic, and roast garlic's good, right? You yeah, know, roast, roast garlic, old school. We cut do the top like off we do like the confit garlic at okay. the restaurant. Okay, take which that, is good. and then even like better. I don't know. I'll, I'll try. I've, I've heard good things. Uh, the like garlic the salt. Garlic I'm not about the garlic salt. What is it? Too salty? Not enough garlic. Uh, it just tastes too fake. What do you mean? Like, like it goes away. A, the garlic flavor goes yeah, away. Yeah, it just says like salty salt. Okay. You know, it doesn't taste like garlic. Garlic salt. powder. Garlic powder. I'm not a big fan of powders and stuff. Mm. Although, even though the other day I was thinking about jalapeno powder on on chips, I think would be kind of a, a cool bar snack. I, I don't. I, see I don't problems think, with that because the powder will just be in the air. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's true. I don't think I've gotten to that part of my journey of of cooking it of the powders and stuff. Uh, Crispy garlic. For me. My favorite garlic product is, um, I garlic think the paste. we call it a carb carb garlic because we yeah. use it in our carbonara, uh. and uh, it's just put in the food processor, blended up into small, almost like minced garlic that you'd buy in the store, but not with all that weird juice that's around it. I don't know what all the water solution. Is. Yeah, how do they get it in small squares? I don't know how to get it in some. That's a very nice crazy. S- small dice. Yeah, <laughs> almost uh, brunoise. Of yeah, it really garlic. Is. I am amazed. But we just we just take garlic and throw it in the food processor and turn it on until it's kind of small and throw a little. Uh, I don't know, like. Uh, 
teaspoon and a half in with our carbonara. And that's kind of my favorite. Is move. it pureed or is it just like pulse? It's not. It's not pureed. It's pulse. So it's still got a little chunk, almost very similar in size to that um, minced garlic, garlic you would buy. Yeah. But there's no liquid. Oh, okay. And we just fried up with a little bacon fat and goes a long way. Yeah, let's. Just, I think that's my favorite move is is when you can taste garlic, but it's not the dominant flavor. Mm. I like garlic, Although garlic back in chips. Good on like a mushroom rice salad. Oh, that's fire! You're talking about them little fried, the ones that are blanched and then fried and then. I just uh, when I do that, I just uh, take my mandolin and do the do the garlic right over the oil and not right over the oil because I'm usually doing in bulk. Um, Uh, But yeah, I've done that and that's pretty good too. That is good. Garlic. It gets a weird chew. It's like crispy but chewy if you let it sit in your mouth too long. Yeah, yeah, because it kind of yeah, I know what you're talking about. There's the one where you blanch them and then fry them, which is really good, also. Yeah, I ain't doing that. That's dehydrating, <laughs> dehydrating, and frying also is really good. Yeah, garlic is good. You know, oh, it's. It, oh, you know what? Another great use for garlic too what? is uh, I saw Thomas Keller, Keller do this one time. He was making some salad and he just wanted the faintest garlic smell, and he was making it in a wood bowl. And in wood, particularly, mm-hmm. he just took the garlic and just scrubbed the whole wood yeah. bowl with it. Yeah. And that, and something like that will get you the faintest yeah, bit of garlic. garlic and that's a good move, too. Garlic's deep. Is garlic, is there a trinity for Italian cooking? Oh, like the holy trinity? Yeah, type in of thing. southern cooking? or yeah. uh, I could speculate on one, but I'm not Italian. Mm-hmm. So is there one for Italian cuisine? Officially, if not unofficially, what do you think? Well, there's it? sofrito. Yes. Which is onion, garlic, tomato. Is that an Italian thing? I think it's a Spanish and Italian thing. Oh, and I think, Italian. I think it's a, a, Mediter- like a Mediterranean mm. thing. Not like a northern Spanish thing, but like a southern Spanish thing. Ah, okay. Because I've done the sofrito when I've, and I've made like a, a um, what's that damn dish called? Like a chipino-ish type yeah. dish. Uh, the, and I think the, even for that, yeah. I did uh, garlic, fennel, tomato. Mm. I don't even think I did onion. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I don't think. Well, what are the three then? Tomato is definitely one in there. Yeah, well, in sofrito, it's garlic, tomato, onion. But for Italian Trinity, to you, hmm. I would go with the sofrito. Sofrito, you a sofrito? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm from the south. You know, my family's from the south, so I would say if you're from the south, the the Trinity would be almost onion, garlic, chili flake. Ah, rather than tomato because the southerners be putting chili flake on everything yeah chili flake is amazing like uh how did chili flakes get to bastianich on pbs be putting chili flake bastianich, on very nice uh, how did chili flakes and in china in italian is that a big thing it's a big thing in southern italian cooking is the chili flake mm. put you know like zucchini with garlic and chili flake yeah uh, whatever vegetable with garlic and Chili flake, pasta, alio, alio, all the hard mouth movements. That uh, is the brokest meal. In that the is best the brokest meal, <laughs> and you can put whatever <laughs> vegetable in it, and then it's like a, a great meal. Quick recipe, best go. Olive, olio, 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 Whatever olive oil you got, Boom. the nicer the better. Boom. Fry some garlic in it for like I don't know, forty-five seconds at if hot, that. if, if that. that. Okay. And then throw some chili flakes in it Boom. and then have your pasta ready to go. Ready to go because it's going to happen in a second. Throw some pasta water in there. Mm. Get it all mixed up. Mm. Throw the pasta in. 
a knob of butter if you have it. Not absolutely not necessary. Yes. And you're set. Good dude. To you go. are set. What kind of olive oil? The nicest you can get. What's the nicest you get? Oh well, well I get, I I get mean, the nice. I get some black market. I get I, <laughs> I get the stuff that people import uh, from their uh, friends' farm from the it, black like, hand of Italy. Is and what you they can like <laughs> smell the cow manure <laughs> <laughs> when it comes in. It's unmarked. <laughs> it's unmarked. Uh, it's uh, just in a container, in a container. You know, uh, good olive oil should uh, kind of have a little bite on the back of your tongue when mm. you taste it. Mm-hmm. Have a little. Um, Spiciness is, I think, is the correct word. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should definitely taste like olives. I like, I personally like when the color is dark. Mm-hmm. I I haven't noticed that that's a common quality across good olive oils because some of the cheaper ones kind of dye it a different mm-hmm. color. Yeah. Usually, if it's stored in a in a non glass kind of a where light can't get through container, mm-hmm. uh, what's it, what's an opaque container? Yeah. That's a good indicator not always um because the light damages the flavor profile volatile oils mm. there you go yeah. dark olive oil folks dark when dark. it's like green it's like and it usually has a different viscosity when it's the real deal yeah it's like the shit you put in your car <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah. kind of almost sludgy <laughs> i know what you're talking about you um, have to actually scoop it out with a spoon folks <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll still actually catch some olives in there, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Um, These are mushed with feet, by the way. <laughs> the only way to do it, unwashed. <laughs> yeah, but no, good olive oil, you, you, can, um, you can taste it when it's good if you've had it. You, mm. you don't mess it up. How many olive oils do you think you've tasted in your lifetime? Hundreds. Because you seem like over hundred. When you have least. those meetings of new purveyors, they always try to sell you, and you're just taking you know shots of weird olive oil. Is they don't really? And I'm like, you guys are dumb. I sat in a couple like, of those you in guys my day. No, I know what this. T- I feel like they don't believe me because I'm so young sometimes. Oh, like you don't have and the knowledge. I, f- I feel like I definitely get treated like that sometimes, and then I've I've like I don't know called throwing like verbal hands with you, ain't got no, you ain't got no white hairs in your beard yeah man. i i because i'm only 31 they don't and, respect you and like that. i kind of started running the place when i was like or being in charge at least of the kitchen at 25 yeah. 26 i don't know whenever i started buying one bronzino a week from you right a passage <laughs> they're looking at you and they're and just I like this they, young buck don't i don't shit. think they just i think they assume i don't know anything mm-hmm. and they see the price point and i'm like no you guys don't understand yeah I know this. I, I may not know every cuisine, but I know Italian stuff because I've been there. Yeah. And like my this. relatives like make their own olive oil. Okay. Boom. And like trade it. So Boom. don't play games with me. <laughs> like I know. <laughs> don't play. Yeah. Don't play. And like, and they're always like, oh, that's what you want? I'm like, yeah, why would I want something else? And they're like, oh, well, we just, you just assumed what? And they're See? like, uh, never mind. I'm like, yeah. Never mind. Your no iPhone, turn. not a plus. They look at you like <laughs> iPhone, no plus. Yeah, your iPhone regular. Exactly. Yeah. iPhone regular. Yeah, no, because like we use like real Spanish bocarones in our Caesar, and yeah. and people are like, what? what? <laughs> I'm like, bocarones. I'm like, yeah, because those are good. Yeah, they're Why not overly I? anything. They're fucking amazing. Yeah. Uh, how many olive oils have I tasted? I, I would say probably at least 50. Extra virgin versus or, regular. Yeah. It, it depends on use. 
we did a pasta last summer that I was shocked that people liked as much as they, I did. I had no faith in, let's be real. I had no faith in the yeah. Sacramento diner the same way that the purveyors had no faith in me. Yeah. Uh, we did a pa- pasta and I just named it after the pasta shape, Casa de H.A. And it was uh, heirloom tomatoes, mm-hmm. uh, corn, and beans. It was succotash. Very nice. With Casa de H.A. pasta, yeah. a little pasta water, um, really nice olive oil, like two hundred dollars a bottle um two hundred fifty what is that uh gallon and a half two gallon nice. olive oil okay and then uh like a quarter teaspoon of garlic in there just for a touch Oof. and salt mm. and that was the most italian dish i've ever made at nice. adamo's and people loved it oh yeah. and a big dollop of ricotta i forgot with black pepper <laughs> of course uh, well, because I was like, I need to justify the price. Here's a <laughs> shit ton of cheese. Here's some good cheese. <laughs> Here's some good big cheese Fresh with some large black pepper on it. And I couldn't believe that people loved it. But they did. Sacramento really impressed me with that one. There's a reason why it's a staple. A good all. It was basically pasta aglio e olio with extra with vegetables. <laughs> and I just, but instead of chili flakes, I did succotash vegetables. And there you go. It, I couldn't, I could not believe that people loved it. And there always has to be a mystery in food. That's just how it works. Without yeah. it, what are we really doing here? <laughs> Boom. I'm just feeding people, man. Just Food feeding. Junkie Radio, episode 12. Polo, thank you very much. Talk to your people. Tell them what they need to know. Uh, drink your water. Mm. If you're going to go day drinking, uh, continue <laughs> with limoncello. <laughs> uh, always have a banana <laughs> with your beer. <laughs> and coffee. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, always pack a little food. <laughs> a ripe banana. <laughs> a ripe Almost banana. ready for a banana's <laughs> foster, a, if yeah, I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, but drink your water. I forget what I – oh, be patient. Vote with your dollar. Uh, vote with your dollar. Yeah. Drink your water. Boom. Dollar water. Limoncello. Doesn't rhyme, but do it. Faded. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Food Junkie Radio, episode 12. Thank you very much.